And I would say the pleasure truly is mine. And I just have a lot to be thankful for. And one thing I thank God for is you and your kindness to both me and my son. Um, I hope to bring my son with me next week. Um, he's in a um, AFLC home right now in Marquette. And I'd appreciate your praying for him. His name is Russell. And he loves to give gifts. That's his way of expressing the fact that he, he likes you, loves you. And so he was probably giving you one of these. Any of you guys get any get any, any pens from him with my name on it, and a phone number, and a, um, email? And I said I'll give them to anybody if you pray for me. Uh, and then I'm also grateful for uh, your prayer and the fact is our brother shared, brother Dick. Thankful for you, the freedom we have here, and it. Lower it. Thank you. And I'm thankful for the help of a lot of other people. I'm standing on the shoulders of many people. And this morning, um, I got a text from a friend down in Grand Haven. They're below the bridge, but they're good folks. And I uh, said, be sure and don't talk too fast, especially when you quote scripture. So by God's grace, I, I will do that. Um, there's... This is what God has really led me to share with you, and it is found in, in Ephesians chapter 4 and in Mark chapter 7. I'd like to read both of them. Ephesians chapter 4 and Mark chapter 7. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4, 5, and 6 says this. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in the hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Good to remember that. The one. Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. And in today's world, um, people like to say, when you try to witness to them, they say, well, that's fine for you. <laughs> they try to say there's many ways to heaven. There's only one way. Um, uh, it breaks my heart. <laughs> um, see, precious people, and, and they say that... Um, they pride themselves in being very tolerant. They're tolerant of everything but intolerance. <laughs> and they consider Christians as intolerant because we say there's only one way to heaven. There's only one way. There's only one way. I'd like you to turn now, please, to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. Jesus was talking to the religious leaders of the day, the very educated religious leaders. 
those who prided themselves on loving the law. The Pharisees. And he said this. Um, let's start with verse 1. Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of the disciples ate bread with defiled, that is to say, with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they washed their hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. Think about that for a moment. Holding the tradition of the elders. When they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be which they have received to hold as a washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels and of tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why wash not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread of unwashed hands? Pause a moment. This has nothing to do with hygiene. This is ceremonial washing of the hands. You wash your hand let the, and let, let it drip off you. You guys, it's good to wash your hands. Kids, remember that. Wash your hands and brush your teeth too. It's a good thing to do. But this was ceremonial washing. The disciples could eat. Thank you. The disciples ate with unwashed hands. In other words, they were not ceremonially washed. And they said, how can they do that? Why, they're violating the tradition of the elders. What was Jesus' response to them? This is response, verse 6. He answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men, as the washing of pots and cups and many other, other such things. And he said to them, Full well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. You guys, look how old I am. Tell by my white beard, either I suffered a lot by having kids, or I, I'm, I see some of you nodding your head, or I'm old. There's some things I like. I have a lot of preferences. Not very many Convictions. Lots of preferences. Not very many convictions. I'm hoping this will work. You guys, if I came here today like this, would I be any less spiritual? No. Now, I'm most comfortable when I'm in church wearing a tie. Why? <laughs> That's what I was taught when I was little. You dress up when you, when you come to church. What if I took off this? Would I be any less spiritual? No. How does God say that we're supposed to dress for church? When you come to worship him. What does Psalm 100 say? Enter into his gates with what? Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving and into his courts with? And be thankful to him and bless his name, right? So you come with? Thanksgiving with praise. When we come to church, we're supposed to dress our what? Our heart. Hey? Okay? 
The Pharisees had a tradition that actually violated Scripture. And Jesus said that. Now, traditions are not necessarily bad. It's okay. Usually when I ask, how do I dress when I preach, they say, dress the way you're comfortable. I'm comfortable with a tie. But I have preached in jeans before. The one church would have been offended if I didn't preach in jeans. He said to them, For what will you reject, verse 9, the commandment of God, that you may keep your own tradition? For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother. And whosoever curseth mother and father, let them die the death. But ye say, if a man shall say of his father and mother, it is for Corban. That is to say, it's a gift. By whatsoever the mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And you shall suffer him no more to do aught for his father or for his mother. Get this, verse 13. Making the word of God of none effect through your traditions, which ye have delivered, and many such things do ye. May God bless the word to our heart. Let's pray. Dear Father, for a few moments as we look at your word together, teach us. Give me grace. May I communicate clearly the burden you put on my heart. And dear Father, use us in our lives to make us stronger in you, a better testimony in the community, to give you more honor and glory. And Father, if anybody be here today that does not know Jesus as Savior, may they come to know you today. Bless pastor as well. Watch over and protect him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Some were saying, well, instead of caring for my father and mother, they didn't have Social Security back then. We're going we're to say that this money is dedicated to the temple, and then we're free from our obligation to our parents. He said, in so doing, you're setting aside the commandment of God. Your traditions are against the word of God. Traditions are okay if they coincide with the word of God. But our ultimate authority is what? Better be this book. Hey. Foundations are terribly important. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, we're told, other foundations no man laid than that which is laid, which is what? Jesus Christ. And then if any man build this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work should be tried, right? The foundation's important. A few years ago, I had the privilege, quite a few years ago, probably 30, I had the privilege of visiting my sister in California, a very interesting state. She was in the Melpitas area. And uh, very beautiful, a land of differences. I, I couldn't believe they, anyway, lots of things I couldn't believe about California. But I, I go by these hills, and it looked like the hill had just kind of melted away. You'd see these cracks in the hills, these adobe hills. What happened is when it got, when he had a heavy rain, that the adobe, instead of being solid, like a brick, it would literally melt away. Californians are no longer allowed to build their houses up in these hills. Why? <laughs> you might have a million-dollar house and no foundation. What's a million-dollar house worth with no foundation? Nothing. What's your life worth with no foundation? Not much. Hey, okay? Not much. I bought a little cabin for mom and dad, 100 feet from my house. 
they were getting older and I didn't want to put them in a home and I couldn't, I couldn't drive to their house. And it was such a tiny thing, 24 by 24. It didn't cost me very much. And it was made by a youper back in the 60s. And they used linoleum for walls. And um, it didn't cost me a whole lot of money. I had one problem with it. <laughs> the foundation. I sort of propped it up. But when I sold that land to pay for something for my son, I sold it with a stipulation that they would tear that house down. Why? It wasn't safe. It was no longer safe. No foundation. The authority for Christianity, the foundation of Christianity, is Jesus Christ, as revealed in this book right here. You're going to say, but do you ever say, do you ever hear someone say, I worship God in the woods? You ever hear that? Where I am, I hear that. <laughs> you can learn something about God by looking at creation around you. Romans 1, 16 through 21, or 18 through 21, says that God's eternal power in, in Godhood is, re, is revealed in creation, but you don't really get to understand salvation unless you read this book. To alter the foundation of Christianity is destroy its very nature. You cannot deny the deity of Christ. Do you ever have someone knock on your door that didn't believe in Jesus Christ being God? They believed in Jesus. They said he's the same substance as God, but they deny the fact that he's God. They used to knock on my door. They don't knock on my door anymore. The Bible says if someone comes not bringing the doctrine of Christ, according to 2 John, don't even receive him in your house. Don't listen to their poison. Don't sample their poison. If someone brought you some decon, they say, you should try this. It tastes good. Would you try it? Any of you guys here? Be brave. Raise your hand. Did you know that, that decon is 99.98% inert? That means it's okay to eat it. Any of you, would you eat decon? No, why not? Because the other two hundredths of a percent is poison would kill you. Yeah. False doctrines like that. We've got to be polite and listen to them, right? Do we? Hold your finger here and mark. Turn, please, your Bible to 2 John. In jail, when I was, doesn't sound good. When I was visiting the jail, we called this Little John. James, Peter, John, Jude Revelation. So it's 2 John. Starting in verse 7. 2 John 7. There's only one chapter. For many deceivers are entering the world which confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Get this, verse 9. For whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ has not God. He that abides in the doctrine of Christ, he has both the Father and the Son. 
For if there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is a partaker of his evil deeds. How important is it to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? To believe that he truly is all he claimed to be. How important is that? It's that foundation of Christianity. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ, that he is all he claimed to be, you're putting in a position of either being a lunatic, like someone who called himself a poached egg, or a liar who deceived millions and caused their death, or he's all he claimed to be. Those are your three choices. A lunatic, a liar, or all that he claimed to be. Jesus is all he claimed to be. Accept it. To destroy the foundation of Christianity is destroy its nature. Can't deny deity of Jesus Christ, the historical character of his atonement, or the inspiration and final authority of Scripture. Sola Scriptura. This is our authority. There are lots of things I think are practical. But I better base my convictions on this book right here. Did you know I have a certain type of music I like a lot? Did that surprise you? Is there any type of music you like a lot? I just got to hear Bach the other day. I preached at another church, and literally these teenagers were playing Bach. Can you believe it on the piano? What a joy. Ah, bless my heart. Anybody here like Bach? A few of you? Yeah. Is that a conviction? That's a preference. Separate them. That's a preference. This book's got to be our final authority. The authority of Christianity is found in the person of Jesus Christ. His work, that's the atonement. His death, and death and burial, his resurrection, and his ascension into heaven. That's absolutely foundational. You better believe it. Why? What's important about that? Because crucifixion provided cleansing from the power of sin. His resurrection provided enablement to live the Christian life. In fact, we're told in Scripture that the fact that he rose from the dead is proof that his his death was sufficient because God raised him from the dead. His ascension, overall... (laughs) gives us power over Satan. What do you mean? The Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every tongue will confess. One day Satan's going to kneel before God and say to Jesus, he said, you're all you said. And he'll still be cast into hell. (laughs) Why? There's no repentance for him. But he have to, he'll have to admit that Jesus is all he claimed to be. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, it says, Jesus ascended into heaven, far above all principality, 
and power. And therefore, if we submit to God, we can resist the devil and he will flee. You guys, as we get older, our temptations tend to change. Um, the Bible tells us that we're to flee youthful lust at war against the soul. You guys who are younger, I want to really encourage you to stay away from those places where you can be tempted, in those situations where you can be tempted. Flee. You flee the youthful lust of war against the soul. How do you deal with Satan? 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom what? Resist steadfast in the faith. Resist steadfast in the faith. You flee temptation, excuse me, and you resist Satan. Have you noticed something interesting? In Ephesians chapter 6, as we're starting with verse 11, we're told to be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. You notice all the armor is for the front. Isn't that amazing? Not for the back, for the front. <laughs> you stand and fight against Satan. Be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. Why? For wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the workers of evil. But you flee temptation. As we get older, the sins that we tend to commit, or be tempted to commit, tend to be more the sins of the spirit instead of the sins of the flesh. Things like envy, Right? Maybe greed. Malice. <laughs> Pride. You get... You ever hear someone being proud of how old they were? I have. Or all the accomplished. You'd be surprised how proud people are of what they accomplished. One guy took me to a whole pile of beer cans. He said, look at all I've done this summer. He drank all that beer. Does someone be proud of? I don't think so. Hey? We are given everything we need for life and for godliness, according to 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, verse 7. Everything we need. We have this, this book here. We have the crucifixion that cleanses us and gives us power over sin. And we, we're commanded to put off the deeds of the flesh, set them aside. If you want to understand how to live the Christian life, I encourage you to read Romans 6, 7, and 8. I believe in Romans 7 is when you try living the Christian life apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. And it's a frustrating thing. The Apostle Paul would say, Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from the body of this death? He said, with my mind, I serve the law of God, but with the flesh, I serve sin. Then he said, I thank God through Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ that gives us the, the victory. The Bible tells us that we have everything we need for life and for godliness. We have the book. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the work of Christ, the crucifixion. And the resurrection that allows us to live victoriously, we're commanded to put off the, the deeds of the flesh and put on the deeds of the Spirit. And 
May the Holy Spirit enables us to live a life to please God. Turn to Romans chapter 1. Excuse me, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation in who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 1. Who walked not after flesh, but after spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son, the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Get verse 4. That the righteousness of the law may be fulfilled in us who walk not after flesh, but after spirit. What is that saying? That's saying the Holy Spirit, as we yield the Holy Spirit, he gives us the power to live a life pleasing to God. I'm so glad. Galatians 5.16. Walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then it talks about the lust of flesh, what it is. Whoremongering, adultery, and so forth. Then verse 22 says, and the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love and joy and peace and long-suffering. Any guys ever want patience right now? I do. I, 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 you know, <laughs> what, what, works tribu- what works patience? Tribulation, right? <laughs> it teaches you patience, doesn't it? By the time you get to my age, you ought to be really, really patient, right? Does it work that way always? No. <laughs> How do you work on patience? We have a tendency of gritting our teeth and trying harder. You ever try that? And the harder you try, the worser you do. Was that good English? No. The harder you try, the worse you do, right? Because we can't do it in ourselves. You ever watch an apple tree grown as it gives forth apples? No. I watched cows grown as it gave birth to calves. I've never watched an apple tree grown as it gives forth apples. Once in a while, the limbs will rub each other. Why? It just comes out, right? If the branch is connected with the tree, an apple tree should have apples. It should. Unless you have pet rabbits that chew the griddle around the tree, which I had, and she wanted, and so the, the life-sustaining sustenance... <laughs> um, couldn't go down back to the roots, and eventually the tree starves to death and it dies. If you're connected into the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit will work in your heart, and this will become evident in your life, unless you're resisting the Spirit or grieving the Spirit. I want to turn one more passage. Turn, please, to Romans chapter 15. I mean, excuse me. To John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Jesus said, I am the vine, verse 1, and my father is a husbandman. Dropping on down. 
Verse 3, now you're clean to the word I've spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye what? Abide in me. Abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do how much? Nothing. Nothing. You know, sometimes, I've been to a lot of conferences all over the place. And I hear guys talk about, pastors sometimes, talking about their church churches, and it grieves me when I hear someone talk about three things. Bodies, bucks, and buildings. That's not what it's about. How big should a church be? As big as God wants it to be. <laughs> I've had some of the best fellowship in small churches. There's nothing particularly holy about and wonderful about a small church. What you want is the presence of God. And you want God working freely. You, God is everywhere present. And you want to be actively involved. Can we hinder the work of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, we can. We can. Through attitudes through sins of the flesh or sins of the spirit, we can hinder his work. We can resist him and we can hinder him. We don't want that. We want people to walk in the church. I've had them say before and they walked in church said, you know, there's a special aura here. What are they talking about? The presence of God. We had a concert a couple weeks ago. Uh, um, I don't know if you ever heard of cases, if you heard of bishops, but... Um, they were, it was kind of a hymn sing concert, and Brother Case is 86 years young, and he, um, he had served the old devil for years and years, and God got a hold of his heart. One day, my dad said, Brother Case, would you think of coming down to our little church in Limestone and singing? He heard him at Gitchigumi Bible Camp, and he said, well, okay, we'll come. They came every year then for the next 23 years, and they came at, at Mother's Day, and he was finishing out his ministry because he has heart problems, defib problems. And he said, you know, I thought I started at Limestone and I want to finish at Limestone. And you know what? There's no way we could have that concert. Couldn't happen. <laughs> Pastor Lyle was in Mayo Clinic because of his pancreatic cancer and his, his liver cancer. And his stent had come out. And his wife was in Marquette General needing a brain operation. And, of course, all their family was trying to help them out. And Kim couldn't sing. There was a throat problem. What would you do? What would you do? Oh. And some of our people giving out, getting out the publicity couldn't be there. And we said, you know, I was asked, should you cancel? And I said, only if you contact Pastor Lyle and he says cancel, why? He's pastor. I believe God will lead him. And it wasn't canceled. And God healed Kim's throat <laughs> just in time. And I've never seen an 86-year-old more energized 
than when he was when he sang and, and shared the gospel or the bishops. And you can sense the presence of God. There are people sitting there crying. Emotion are not necessarily the presence of God. But God really spoke through that music. Had a wonderful message, both in the music and in the words. And God touched hearts and really did a lot of healing at that, at that concert. I've preached before, and people have run forward <laughs> crying, heartbroken. It wasn't because of something eloquent that I said. I can't tell a joke. You know that? I can't tell a joke. I forget the punchline. You ever do that? I, I can't do it. I, I, and I can't. I, you guys, you can tell by listening to me. I used to stutter badly. But God can use even me when I'm yielded to him. When Moses said, Lord, here am I, send Aaron. Right? Here am I, send Aaron. I, I, I'm slow of speech. I can't do it. You, you send Aaron. God said, don't mean your mouth. Don't mean your tongue. You may say, I can't do that. I, I, I. Oh, goodness. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what you have or, or how capable you are. What did God use in David's case? David had a chance to wear the armor of Saul. Remember that? He said, I can't use this. What did God use in David's case to defeat Goliath and ultimately the Philistine? He used simply a sling, right? What did God use in Moses' case to part the Red Sea? Simply a, a stick, a walking stick, right? What did... God used in Gideon's case. Pitcher? <laughs> Torch? Right? And your own vocal cord. God will use you, and God is looking for availability far more than he's ever looking for ability. God's given us the Holy Spirit to help us live the Christian life. God's given us the Holy Spirit to enable us to serve him. The day of Pentecost provides for us a daily anointing to the Holy Spirit. Be not drunk with wine, what is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And God will work through us. And people will see in us the fruit of the Spirit and want to know God. When it says, be not drunk with wine, what is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, what does that mean, be filled with the Spirit? Being utterly controlled by the Holy Spirit. Do you guys ever see someone drunk? I used to work in a factory downstate. You know what they do... They asked me to go bowling with them. I went once. And I found out they could out-bowl me at the beginning. They really did well. But you know, at the end of the time when we were done bowling, I could bowl better than them. How come? <laughs> Anybody know? Because <laughs> they were drunk, eh? When you're filled with wine, does it affect the way you walk? We had a guy... He was our town drunk, and he used to say, I'm not drunk. I can walk a straight line. See? You had no clue watching him that he was drunk. Does it control your speech? Yeah. Does it control the way you think? Do you ever try to reason with a drunk man? Oh, man. 
God wants to control us that way. He wants us to be utterly controlled by the Holy Spirit. He's given us all we need for life and godliness. He's given us the basics right here. The foundation of Jesus Christ. Build on that foundation and let God work through you. You'd be surprised what God will do. It'll just amaze you sometimes when you see God work on behalf of others through you and what God does in you. You guys, can you tell? I used to be scared of my own shadow. Can you tell that by looking at me? Right? Scared to death to get in front of people. I was skinny. I wish. I had red curly hair because my head was so thick my hair just grew its way in. That's what I was told. And um, I was scared of my own shadow. And I got beat on at school. And I stuttered. (laughs) Knew God wanted me to go and preach. (laughs) I can't do that. (laughs) And God gave me the verse in Colossians chapter 1. I mean, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Not many mighty and noble are called. God has chosen the foolish things, confound the wise and the weak, the strong, that no flesh should grow in his presence. But if him are ye in Christ Jesus, so God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and what? And sanctification. That as it's written, he that glories, let him glory in the Lord. Yeah. God will use you if you let him. I, I'm out of time. <laughs> I've talked to a number of you and I believe you're born again. Not just believers, but born again believers. But in a congregation of this size, there might be somebody here that has been sitting in the church for all their life. And you're a believer. <laughs> the Bible says you believe, you do well. The devils also believe in trouble. You're a believer, but not necessarily a born again believer. You haven't ever come to Christ You've never said, God, here I am. I know I'm a sinner. I've been a good person, but I know compared to you, I'm not. I've been a good person, but Lord, (laughs) I'm a sinner. I make no excuse. I ask you to forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me your child. Give me your gift of eternal life. I believe that Jesus died and rose again, as he said. I believe he's all he said. And I'm putting my eternal destiny in your hands. If you've never done something like that, oh man, do it today. Do it today. There is no joy as great as that of knowing Jesus Christ the Savior. The best friend you'll ever have. It's just amazing. I love my brother. I buried him on June 13th. But the Bible says there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You know who that is? That's Jesus. And he'll be the best friend you can have. <laughs> and he can... Um, and remember, focus <laughs> on what is important, and that's Jesus Christ. Last time I was here, I shared the church at Ephesus had the right doctrine. They loved people. <laughs> so I know your works. It's found in Revelation chapter 2. He said, but you have one thing against you. I have somewhat against you. You've left your first love. They forgot who they were serving, which is Jesus Christ. Foundation of Jesus Christ. His person, his work, his death, 
and, and resurrection and ascension to heaven where he's interceding for us and his word, the Bible. And this day, when everything is falling apart, it seems like, I'm glad we can count on this book. Let's pray. Father, right now we're coming to you and thanking you for this privilege of being together, thanking you for these dear people here, for the love for you, Lord, and even your kindness toward me and my son. And we've used them in the past, and Lord, Father, we pray you continue to. Dear Father, we'd ask that um, you may just learn to minister in their hearts. I don't know what they're going through. You do. Father, maybe something really troubling them, some heavy burden, Lord, that they may not even know which way to turn. And Father, I thank you that nothing's too hard for you. <laughs> Your word said to God, nothing is impossible. You can take an impossible situation and work it out for our good and for your glory. Lord, there's also maybe someone here. You're speaking their heart. Lord, they've been sitting in a church all their life. But that isn't making them a Christian. Just like sitting in a garage won't make you a car. Lord, they need to know Jesus as Savior. Lord, if there's someone here like that, speak their heart. May they come to know you today. Lord, maybe there's someone here today and you've challenged your heart to go and do something that's scary for them. Something that would honor you. Lord, challenge your heart to do that what's right. In Jesus' name we pray. With every head bowed and eye closed, maybe one of you here today, you're saying, God spoke to my heart today. Pastor, I want you to pray for me. Raise your hand. Father, thanks. For this privilege of being together for your word. For these people. In Jesus' name we pray. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, that can be the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.